December 26, 2023. We're in Masechet Bava Kamandav Teta Mutbet. Let's begin again. 18 lines from the bottom. Last word on the line is Veha. That's where we're going to begin again. And the context is a Beraita, which the Gemara cited. And the Beraita distinguished between situations where you'd be liable for. Well, handing something to a Hiresh or Tevekatan, people whom we assume don't have da'at, and situations where you'd be Hayav. The halakha was with regards to Bor and Shor. If you hand them to Hiresh or Tevekatan, you're Hayav. The Beraita's words are Masha'enke, and this is not so by Ish. And the Gemara is struggling to understand. Well, what's the situation? And in turn, what's the difference between the two? Why would you say that Shor and Bor would have a liability in terms of paying back for damage, but Ish, fire, does not? Says the Gemara in the middle of that conversation, which we learned yesterday, don't we have the statement of Resh Lakish? We're only beginning with this because this will contrast with what we'll continue with today. It'll be Yohanan's opinion. And well, what's the statement? According to Resh Lakish, the statement in the Mishnah later on on Daf Nuntet, where it states and makes clear that a person who sends fire, quote unquote, biyad in the hands of you're patur adam. You're not liable in court in this world, but you're nonetheless obligated between yourself and God. What's the situation? What type of fire did you hand to that cognitively impaired or diminished person? According to Resh Lakish, if you handed over an actual flame, you'd be hayav. What's the situation instead where you're patur? It's where you handed them a coal, and the coal was as a result of your handing it to them, fanned by that individual, you won't be hayav. Says the Gemara, what's the distinction? How do you explain? Therefore explains the Gemara, the case must be The situation is where, in, in contrast one to the other, where I handed the animal or the pit over to one of these individuals to look over, and uh, as a result of them looking over it, or the situation is such that the animal is tied up, it's fastened tightly, and the pit is covered uh, securely. In such a situation, your patur, excuse me, in such a situation, your hayav. That's in contrast to gabe'esh gahelet. Uh, with regards to the fire case, it must be handed them a coal, again. In each of these three situations, as the item or situation is handed over to this there's nothing that in the moment is dangerous. In the moment the animal is tied up, in the moment the pit is covered securely, in the moment he's just holding a, a coal. Why would you distinguish? Why would in the first two, bor and shor, he be hayav, the person who hands it over, and in ish, not be hayav, answers the Gemara, and again, two ways to explain it, we discussed yesterday, Rashi and Tosafot, shor darke lenatuke, bor darke lenature, gachelet kamadishavik le la me'amya, amya ve'azla. The distinction says the Gemara, the difference goes as follows, with regards to an animal, either by means of the Hereshote Vekatan or on its own, Rashi and Tosafot, with regards to the pit, either by means of the Hereshote Vekatan or on its own, the assumption is it'll become unfastened and revealed. How, how is it that happens? I mean, I don't 
understand the opinion that it's happening on its own. Rashi. I know, so I have to cover, come up on its own. Why is that any different than fanning a call? Well, fanning a call, the assumption the Gemara is fanning a call isn't just going to happen. In those situations, I don't know, the ground moves, people pass by. All right, that's the question of Tosafot and Rashi. I mean, that's... What are you talking about? Ish means ish. We don't know if it means shalit. Well, maybe it's something that brings a fire. Gahilit turns into fire once you fan it. And the, the words anyway is be'ira in, in the Mishnah. And so, uh, all right, Judy, you, you're looking for Yishuf Rashi more than anything. We need to work on Rashi, but it's the claim of Tosafot. Rashi has to answer something along those lines. It's more naturally conducive to becoming revealed or becoming unfastened. Yeah, With the animal, you understand it easier. Maybe you have to say that the only reason why you put someone in charge is because it is not their social security. Can't be. Can't be. It's such a situation. So then the gahelet, the coal, also needs to be somewhat uh, uh, prone to un- insecure. That's the claim. Yeah, so the coal is the coal. But the same thing, coal will go out by itself eventually. But then they're not parallel. Okay, so you're saying anyway, they're not parallel, which is the point. And as a result, and, and in, why are you putting a chedesh or katan on it at all if it's entirely secure? Which, by the way, so Tosafot says you only hurt yourself by putting that person on it. Uh, okay, interesting. That's a suggestion, Jeff. The situation with the board is that eventually it got uncovered, or is it something that it would have gotten uncovered on its own? Since, since it was more prone to becoming uncovered, Therefore, you are liable even though you put a hayre shotev katan to look at it, as so opposed to the coal. So then you're just as liable with the cover of that. When you put a hayre shotev katan on it, according to you're going to be hayav even when it's covered and tied. Yes. Yes. Um, all right, says the Gemara, Ulir Biohanan. What about a Biohanan? This is the next opinion we're dealing with over here. According to the Biohanan, unlike Resh Lakish, whom we've been dealing with until now, Resh Lakish was describing and explaining to us that the situation where you handed something to the Hiresh Oteve Katan in the Mishnah and Daf Nuntet is talking about what did you hand a coal? And as a result, we distinguished and we said a coal, if it's just left alone, it's going to go out. But Rabbi Yohanan says, even when you handed an actual flame, you're like Rabbi Yohanan, Alan, you're nonetheless not obligated. Well, says the Gemara, how do you explain the distinction between ish, where you handed the actual flame, your patur, as opposed to the pit, or the animal where it's untied and you hand it or uncovered and you hand it to Hiresh of Teve Katan, says the Gemara de Kavata. The parallel in turn would be Hacha Beshor Mutaru Bor Megule. We're dealing with an animal which is untied, unfastened, and the boar, the pit, which is uncovered. What's the difference between here and there, meaning between Shor and Bor, where you're liable, where you're Hayav? And ish, where you're patur, says the Gemara Hatam there, meaning in the fire case, savta deheresh kagarim. Hacha lo savta deheresh kagarim. The Gemara answers that it has something to do with the grip 
or the connectedness of the Hiresh Oteve Katan to the fire. You see the word Savta with a bet as we have it in our Gemara. Rashi translates as Ahizato, his grip on whatever's holding the torch. Uh, um, yeah, that, that's what's going to bring forth the damage. We'll define in a moment. Or Rashi quotes Savta with two vavs. Uh, in Hebrew today, you say Sevet is the staff. Sevet, Savta means the connectedness. We're a group. He's grouped. Either way you go, it's basically the same idea. It's the holding on to by the Heresh Oteve Katan, which brought forth the damage. Well, I don't understand. How did this make me less liable? The understanding in, as a result in Rashi, uh, borrowing a little bit from Rashi and Dafkaf Bet, goes like this. Whereas by the animal and by the pit, it's entirely understood by me that in them being unfastened and uncovered, well, that's on me. That's something which is prone to damage and it's disconnected from the Heresh Oteve Katan who has done nothing in order to effectuate it. Over here, Abi Hayav, that's clear. That's what we, that's the Braita told me. By Esh, I'm patur only because I look at the Heresh, the Shoteh and Katan, and I say, this was their doing. I'm able to connect the action of damage to them as opposed to, to me. After all, had they not moved that flame, that torch, which is in their hand, too close to a Gadish, is what Rashid talks about, a pile of hay or whatever else it is, there would have been nothing that got damaged. The understanding as a result is, it's Rabbi Yohanan's opinion on Dafkaf Bet, which we'll understand when we get there, Isho Mishum Hisav, which means to say when fire is caused by the Mav'ir, by the person who is causing the fire, we directly associate that fire as if it's the arrow, as if it's the extension of the person who damaged. You, therefore, in this situation, are much further removed from the damage in as much as the Heresh Oteve Katan caused the damage. It was their hand, their action, their movement which caused the damage with that fire. In contrast, and unlike the case of Behema and Shor, Behema and Shor had nothing to do with the Heresh Oteve Katan. They may have not watched over it properly. They may have been negligent or you couldn't have expected them to do better. But in the scheme of things, when I handed that animal, that pit, over to the Heresh Oteve Katan, it is a free reigning pit or animal which will cause damage. With regards to the fire, it's not so. With regards to the fire, the fire is in his hands and the only way it's going to cause damage is by his hand, his tzevet, his tzavta, his connectedness to it, causing that damage. That's not on me. What would Rabbi Yohanan argue in a situation? No, it's afilu, afilu b'shalhevet. Certainly b'gachelet ampatur. It's, it's, it goes without, sta- without stating that by Gahelet Lefir Biohanan you'll be Hayav. You'll be Patur. You'll be Patur. With the, with the torch, he's, he's moving it, he's doing it. With the coal, he's fanning it and moving it and whatever. You're for sure going to be Patur in terms of. It's tethered to, is so connected to the damage, to the extent that I look at the damage which was caused. As their causation, as opposed to mine. Why all of a sudden are we assuming that the work because of fire? Explanation that the head should take a time. 
That was in Resh Lakish. In Rabbi Yohanan, we're saying it's Bor Megule. In Rabbi Yohanan, we're saying it's Shor Natuk. It's not hard. But the competence of the child or the, or the what's the other? The child, the, the mute and deaf, the insane or, person. Why are they be, they're being judged differently in the two scenarios? Because one, you're saying that he could control what he's doing with the fire, and it's his liability. The other ones, you're saying that they're not competent enough to. There is a fundamental difference between Resh Lakish and Rabbi Yohanan with regards to what we expect of the Heresh Oteve Katan. This is articulated by this Tosafot Dibura Rabbi Yohanan without going into it in depth. According to Rabbi Yohanan though, yes, Tosafot makes this point. The understanding is that Rabbi Yohanan, as you're describing, Alan, is, um, is expecting at least a baseline protection from Heresh Oteve Katan. Now, with regards to an animal which is unfastened and a pit which is uncovered, a baseline protection is not going to be sufficient. When it comes to a torch, we expect a baseline protection, and you didn't get it, he's the one, so to speak, who's connected to the damage as opposed to you. It's exactly the way Tosafot articulates this. Isn't it yeah. like you, when you give the fire, so obviously you're being negligent by giving the fire to the, to the, to the young kid, and isn't that a liability in itself? What's what we call that Bidinesh We say you're obligated in heaven, but the action of damage can't be traced back to you as much as it's directly associated with the person who did it. This is brought in the context of This is the Sugyan Masechet Kiddushin and Bet. This is where it begins. That's, that's exactly where it begins. All right, says the Gemara Tanu Rabbanam, we move on to the next Beraita. Um, the fact that it's on your property, not One second, private, private, no, I mean, you're, you're not going to be liable if it's on pro- private property. Yeah, you say to the person, what were you doing on my property, right? It says the Gemara, moving on to a Beraita. Now this Beraita brings us more general, a lot of principles, a lot of ideas that we're already familiar with, some new ones. What we're going to be doing is comparing and contrasting all of the Avot Nezikin. Now important to note at the onset, when we talk about Shor in this Beraita, we speak specifically and only about Keren, the goring of an animal. That needs to be made clear, because otherwise we'll get confused. It's not talking about shame, it's not talking about rega. When we talk about shor in this beraita, we're talking about one dimension of it. All the others, bor and so forth, are going to be uh, typical. There's no way of distinguishing. Okay, Tanur Rabbanan says the beraita, Homer beshor mi bebor, Homer bebor mi beshor. Says the Beraita, you should know, it's important for your education, for your knowledge of these halachot. There are humrot, there are stringencies in shore, we call them keren, goring, which don't exist in bor. There's leniencies when you compare the two. On the flip side, there's a homer in the bor, in the pit, there are certain things that you're obligated and liable for, which you wouldn't be when your animal gores. And says the Beraita, let me explain this to you. And we're going to do this through almost all the avot. Homer beshor mi bebor. What is it? That when I look at an animal which gores, I say, ooh, it's more strict. The Torah treats it more severely. Number one, shashor meshalem et ha-kofir. We've talked about this concept called kofir more than once. The Torah describes 
Kofir, Kofir simply stated, I think it was probably translated as ransom. Kofir is a way of achieving, it appears, the Gemara will tell us later on, tells us at the beginning of Makot. Kapara gives you some sort of atonement. What is it? It's a monetary payment for our purposes in the context of if you're Shor Mu'ad, if you have an animal which has already gored three times, and it goes out and gores a person for fourth, fourth goring, in that situation, you're liable not only for your animal to be put to death, but you have to pay a monetary amount as well. That's called kofir. How do you evaluate that? That's a matter of dispute, which we'll talk about separately, but that's what's called kofir. Again, kofir is a special ransom money payment in order to achieve atonement in a situation where your shor mu'ad, your ox, which gored more than three times, kills a person. That doesn't exist in any other context. It's only by shore, not in boar, not in esh, etc. Vehayav bishloshim shel eved. The Torah furthermore teaches that if you're shor mu'ad, again the ox which has gored three times, kills an eved, it kills a slave, an eved kena'ani, we don't evaluate the slave, we don't figure out how much was the value, etc. Shiloshim shekalim, the Torah says you pay 30 uh, pieces of money and that's, that's the obligation that doesn't exist anywhere else. That's a special halakha by shor. We'll have to, of course, understand these halakhot in greater depth, but we can suffice with just mentioning them now. Yeah, kill the animal as well. Nigmar dino asur Third halacha, indeed, with a shor is if the shor kills, it gets put to death. Now, even if it hasn't yet been put to death, but it's nigmar dino, the verdict has been reached, the gavel has been gone down, and that animal has to be put to death, you can't get any benefit from that animal. What sort of benefit would I have? Maybe I'll slaughter it and eat it. It hasn't been stoned yet. It's going to be stoned. Hashor yisakel, but it hasn't been stoned yet. Uh, maybe I'll slaughter it. Maybe I'll sell it. Maybe I'll, you, you can't do any of those things. Asur we're going to learn that from Pesukim. You don't have such a reality in anything else. I mean, obviously, the boar doesn't have any sur hana'a. There's no isur once it killed or did something. You can't get any benefit. Lastly, vidarko lelechu lehazik, the way of ashur, which is different than all other things, it has a mind of its own and it has a brain of its own. It goes and damages, and the assumption is it will be potentially dangerous by its movement or with its movement. None of those four things we just mentioned are paralleled in bor. Bor is more lenient in each of those. What about bor in contrast to shor? What about the pit, the stationary damaging mechanism, as opposed to the moving one, the shor? Homer bebor me beshor shahabor tehilat asiato lenezek. First and foremost, we assume that bor, from the very inception, from the digging, we say that is prone to damage. Animals, we don't say so. We say that the animal in its initial stage uh, can be protected, or maybe is self-protected. With a pit, there's no such reality. It doesn't have a brain. It can't be. T- it isn't tame. It is a damaging mechanism from its beginning. We don't distinguish. Well, it's kind of connected to that first reason. We don't distinguish between first three times and the fourth time when it comes to bore. 
Bord has full liability from the beginning. Shor has half liability the first three times and fourth time, then it's obligated entirely. What do we call that? Mu'ad. Mu'ad, uh, probably Milashon Mu'ed, time. You're forewarned. It's already gone through it. Masha'en kin bishor. Each of those are somewhat straightforward and clear. It should be put, we should pause for a moment and just try to understand. How do you know? I know I told you it's in the Torah, but how do you know we don't apply kofir? Remember that one of the animal when it killed a person, when it's a shor mu'ad, to a case like bor. Who said that it doesn't apply in other cases? Maybe we should make some sort of binyan av. So Rashi, in the last dibura mathil on the page, mashe'en ken bebor, the bottom line of Rashi, says Rashi, mashe'en ken bebor, she'en ba'al habor hayab b'tashlumeh mitat adam. When you own a pit, you're not obligated to pay anything with regards to the death of a person. Kidda amrinan, as the derashah of the Gemara went, and we'll go, shor velo adam, the pasuk says, if a shor falls into the pit, that's when you're liable, not when a person falls in. That's Rashi's derashah. The strange thing, the difficulty with Rashi is, that pasuk is really just talking about financial compensation. It's not talking about kofir. Kofir is above and beyond financial compensation. Kofir means you want to achieve atonement because you killed someone or you brought forth a death to a person. Tosafot, and it sounds like a technicality for now, therefore cites a different derasha from later on in Daf Kavav. The pasuk says in the context of kofir, it says, in kofir yushat alav. If kofir is placed upon him, upon him, meaning on the owner of the animal, Alav, says the derasha later on, velo al ba'al habor, velo al ha'esh. The situation is alav, again the word specifically in the context of written by kofir, says alav on him, an extra word. That word alav on him, on the owner of the animal, as opposed to the owner of the pit, the owner of fire, etc. That'll come into play in a few moments or tomorrow, but again, the idea being they have just a difference in how to read the Pesukim, which Pasuk they're deriving it from, sounds very technical, might be more fundamental. For Rashi, it's the general exemption from paying, includes, with, with regards to a human being, includes kofir in the pit, According to Tosafot, you can't use that general learning. It's got to be specifically in the context of kofir. I have the word in kofir, yushat alav, alav, velo al-bal habor, velo al-bal ha'esh. Continues the Beraita. Homer b'shor mi be'esh, homer be'esh mi b'shor. Says the Beraita, you know, we just compared shor and bor, but, you know, let's compare shor and esh. Would you know it? Shor has more stringencies than esh. Esh has more severities than shor. How so? This is going to be easy at this point to understand at least the concept. Okay, Shor, as we said, pays kofir. Ish, fire, if you damage, you kill someone with fire, you pay for the damage, you, pay, you don't pay kofir, there's no additional amount. Let's pause for a second and think why not. Why don't you pay kofir by ish? Oh, we had derashot earlier. Now, Rashi's derasha, I told you it was coming up, Rashi's derasha was that Baal Habo, the Pasuk says in the context of damage from the pit, that if a shore falls in, so then you're obligated. If an, uh, the implication is if a human being falls in, you're exempt. Will that work to exempt over here, Kofir by Ish? There's nothing to do one with the other. You see, according to Tosafot, that when I'm talking about kofir, the Torah says, here's where you pay kofir, all right, here and nowhere else. 
According to Rashi, the Pasuk was written in the context of Bor. It just happens to be telling me. Liability of Bor is only with animals. It doesn't explicitly or even implicitly in a direct way tell me that there's no Kofir. You can't use that Pasuk for Rashi to derive that Ish, fire, doesn't pay when it kills a person. So how does Rashi know that Kofir is exempt from, in a situation of Ish, again, to repeat those words and make them clear, kofir means the amount of money you pay above and beyond, a ransom amount when you killed a person, somewhat inadvertently, but he did do so. Rashi at the top right-hand corner. Indeed, says Rashi. Keep in mind, that's, that's prone to a mahlok in Yohanan Resh Lakish. If you show me Shum Chitzav, I mentioned, or you show me Shum Mamono, that's, that's an interesting distinction. But Rashi does seem to be going with Rabbi Yohanan. Jesse, yes, you're, but you're only, you're only deepening the issue with Rashi. But give it a minute. says Rashi at the top right hand corner, Mashen Ken Be'ish. How do you know by Ish, by fire, there's no ransom, there's no kofir? Ish, Lochayev Ba Serefa, Serefat Adam. By ish, you're not obligated, kofir, if you burnt a person. First and foremost, we say he should have run away. That's not fully on you. In other words, if he's not tied up and the fire burnt him, that's, that's not your obligation. He should have run away. What if he's tied up and you lit a fire? Enclosed area, same thing. The person who lit the fire is liable for death penalty. Okay, but what about Kofir? And as a result, we apply the principle of Kamle Bidrabamine. The Torah in Parashat Mishpatim in Perekafal Pasukafbet makes the following statement, and the rabbis in turn learn a law from it. It says if two men are fighting one with the other and they uh, strike a woman who's pregnant, and if she doesn't die, then they have to pay for the loss of babies that took place because they killed, they killed the babies, they struck her. Terrible scene. However, the implication is if she died, Patsukim Torah says if she didn't die, if she did die, you don't pay for the babies. The babies are not considered yet life in the full sense. As a result, you don't pay. That's a principle the rabbis learned from there called Kam Lebe We give you the higher penalty, death penalty, and not the financial obligation. The example I always give is there's a shootout, one guy dies, and the family says, we don't only want you dead, we want the dry cleaner bill, and he was wearing a designer tie, so we'd like you to pay for this. They say, go take a hike, I'm losing my life, I don't need to pay for that, the principle known as Kamle Bidrabamine. So Rashi over here is applying Kamle Bidrabamine. In other words, Rashi is saying the reason if a person burns another person and kills them, they don't pay kofir, is because Kamle Bidrabamine, we gave them death penalty, they don't have to pay for that as well. That's not true by board, except Okay, so that's, that's the principle of Rashi. Tosafot and Davdale Damudalf explicitly quote from Ri at the bottom of the page that Kamlebe Darabamine does not apply with regards to Kofir. And logically speaking, quote, it shouldn't. I'll tell you why not. Because Kofir, by definition, the word is to achieve atonement. I killed the person. It's one thing you want me to pay for the dry cleaner bill. Okay, I'm not paying for the dry cleaner bill. I'm getting killed already. But if the Torah is telling you that in theory you needed to achieve a certain atonement, maybe you need to achieve the atonement even when you're getting death penalty. That's the whole point. So, what's that? Maybe the mitah plus kofir. 
You're right. That's why Rashi, Rashi would disagree. He'd say, no, you're only getting it when you don't get put to death. Pasuk says, gambe alav yumat. He seems to think differently. It's possible the Torah would be telling you death penalty plus kapara with kofir. It's possible. That might be the mahloket. That's Tosafot's claim. So in short, Tosafot has no problem over here. I'm speaking a little, a little abstract, but for purpose, Rashi's interpretation of our Gemara is because he got stuck on this. He can't give you the pasuk of earlier to exempt from kofir because his pasuk is in the context of bor. He needs to come up with a logic called kam lebederabamine and apply it over here. Tosafot don't need that and can't have it because for them, kofir doesn't have a leniency of kam lebederabamine. Tosafot needs to appeal to their pasuk of alav and in truth, Tosafot Rabbeinu Peretz, which Jesse was kind of alluding to, points out that Rashi also is making a jump. Rashi is assuming that when you burn someone, we look at it conceptually as if you killed them directly and not your property killed them. That's a dispute later on between Rabbi Yochanan Resh Lakish. Rashi is assuming like Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, anyway, the Gemara has over here that uh, with regards to these Humrot, we have Home Beshomi Be'esh, Home Be'esh Mibeshur. First and foremost, Home Beshomi Be'esh, Hashom Shalem Kofir. We discussed that. The Hayav Bishloshim Shel Eved, we discussed that. We understand with regards to your Shon Mu'ad killing an Eved, you pay Shiloshim. You wouldn't have such a thing with regards to Esh. Nigmar Dino Asubahana'a. We know what that means as well. If it's a finished verdict that it's going to be put to death, the animal, in such a situation, you can't get any benefit from the animal. Lastly, we have a new one. Now we have mahluk about why this is true. But if you handed, as we mentioned earlier, your animal to to a person who isn't cognitively up to the level of a regular individual, in such a circumstance, you're hayav by shore. Uh, whether it's connect, it's tied up or covered. Okay, that's what we discussed earlier. What's that? Mashem ken be'esh. Esh is not so. Of course, that's what we taught. No, no, of course. No, no, no. So, sorry. That's exactly the point. That's, that's what we're alluding to. Masha'in kin be'esh. Okay, none of this applies by ish. That last one, again, by ish, for one reason or another, ish, like you shouldn't be Yohanan disagree. Home be'esh mi beshor. Here's going to be some new stuff. Tell me about something that fire is more liable, more compensation needs to be paid out, more situations than sure than an animal. Sha'esh, more edit mitahilata. First and foremost, if a person burns another person's property, they pay full amount immediately. Masha'in beshor. Of course, by animal, it takes four times to pay full amount. Okay, period. That's it. That's Mashiach Ken Beshor. Next. All right, next into our comparing, comparisons and, and, and similarities uh, and differences. Uh, what are we up to? Fire and pit. We dealt with animal. We dealt with kitten. Now let's compare fire and bor. How is a pit? more severe in terms of its liabilities than ish, than fire. First and foremost, we say with regards to a pit, from the very beginning of its digging, it is purposed and considered a damaging situation. Fire, interestingly, is not. 
You could have fire in your kitchen. You could have fire in your fireplace. We see that as a contained, not, not so. It's only when it's taken out and moved around. And as well, when it comes to, um, as well, when it comes to bor, if you handed it over, whether it's covered or uncovered, it's like you should be a haran to a you're liable. And here's where it's going to get a little bit interesting. First and foremost, with regards to fire, it's we envision it as something which is going to move and damage, as opposed to, of course, a stationary bor. And the next words are going to be our controversial words. We'll just read the words and translate them without fully understanding them right now. The statement is that when it comes to ish, as opposed to bor, it's going to be liable because we assume that it's going to eat up, meaning consume, burn, whether something that's ra'ui or not. Ra'ui means something that it's... Well, one second, but ra'ui, it's indistinctively burning, right? It'll burn anything, whether it's something that you'd assume it's going to burn or something you'd assume it wouldn't burn, as opposed to a bore has specific things it damages. What type of thing might we be talking about? We'll have to return to that. We can and should already be thinking about something like kelim, utensils. We imagine that wood gets burnt. We imagine that grass gets burnt and things of that sort. What about kelim, utensils made of other, uh, of other uh, materials? Are those darko, is that raui or not? Maybe that's what we're referring to as opposed to by a boar. You might recall we have a derasha. Boar is only liable when an animal falls in as opposed to when utensils. But we'll come out and flesh this out entirely tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen